Ladies and gentlemen, make yourselves comfortable. I am Groot. I am Groot. And I am Groot. And this is Mad About Groot. You sound insane. Do you realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Mad About Groot is your go-to Groot podcast for all things concerning Groot. Every week, we break down Groot news, Groot rumors, and Groot rumblings, and break down our chosen Groot moment of the week. But don't worry if you haven't seen Groot, because we will warn you before we head into Groot spoilers. And please stay tuned till the end for our weekly Groot recommend, in which we each suggest something Groot-related that you need to check out as soon as you can. Remember, you can find all of our Groot casts at madaboutgroot.com. This week's Groot-related movie of the week is what, Brian Gill? This week we're going to be talking about Groot of the Galaxy. We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, a.k.a. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. Groot been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a-holes. Up to this point, this is the most anticipated episode of the Mad About Movies podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Am I wrong Draft day. Draft day was pretty, at least anticipated for me. Let's, that, let that be clear for you. No, but really, I mean, seriously, this is this is highly, this is big up there. I mean, this is, I think, every episode, if not every other episode we've talked, we've mentioned this movie somehow. I mean, a fan needs to go back and, and find out what we've talked about more, Now You See Me or Guardians of the Galaxy up to this point. Uh, it's pretty close. Star Wars is up there, too, as well. So I think Episode 7 and, uh, and Guardians are probably our two most talked about, anticipated films. So here we are. The time has come. The road has ended. We are here. Our Guardians of the Galaxy podcast is upon us, and I am excited. I don't know if you can tell. I'm excited about this episode. I'm excited more uh, more to talk about this with you guys than I am uh, to talk about my own thoughts on the movie. So I'm excited to hear what you guys thought. And before we talk uh, and dive right into Guardians talk, guys, let's hit a little bit of movie news. Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome! Let's filibustering begin before we dive into our main segment here anything at all you guys want to talk about for movie news anything that's come up in the past few weeks that has uh piqued the old interest i mean we saw him in just two hours ago um kevin feige uh retiring from marvel i mean that we should probably talk about that really no just made that up oh i was like (laughs) i was about to be mad i was about to cry a little bit (laughs) <laughs> I know. I was just getting ready for your severe depression. Yeah. No, that didn't happen at all. Yeah, that, that's good. That's I've got I've got a couple of things we can talk about. Yeah. I actually did movie news research for the first time Sweet. in ninety four episodes or so. Um, so let's talk about Ghostbusters three and how excited we are for Melissa McCarthy in the uh, in the leading role for Ghostbusters three. Right, guys? Oh huh? my! Huh? My, my! If there's goodness. two things we're excited about on this podcast. It's Melissa McCarthy movies and future Ghostbuster movies. Yeah. And now you yes. see me sequels. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, Can we combine one. all three of those? Have like a crossover she, movie? 
she could be like a magician that um, he's about to. She's about to do her greatest trick, and then she she falls down. <laughs> Gosh, oh, man, no one wants to. No one wants to date her because she's she's overweight <laughs> and a magician, and uh, and then it, there's a lot. She falls down mostly. That's all I got so far. But you in? I'm in. Yeah. I'm- that's it's amazing to think about. Really, I think she could possibly get an Oscar nomination for that. The poster is going to see going to say, "The closer you get, the more you see." With her lifting <laughs> up her shirt and pointing at her stomach. I I mean I know we're joking, but Richard, that movie could make seventy five million dollars. Yeah. Like that's, <laughs> absolutely. Oh, thanks, America. Yeah, it looks like they are definitely doing Ghostbusters three. Who is it? Paul Feig? Is that the correct, correct pronunciation? Uh, <laughs> I think it's Feig. I hope I so. Know. Feig. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Feige. Look, Feige. everyone that listens to this podcast knows that that is not my strength, is pronouncing names. So let's sure. just roll with it. Uh, but yeah, director of Bridesmaids and The Heat. Um, they're definitely going forward with Ghostbusters 3 at this point. It's a female-centric cast. So... We're sure that I, I'm certain that Melissa McCarthy is going to be in the cast. Like that was the first thought that I had. So I, I feel like that's almost a given at this point. No, it, that that's confirmed. I oh, mean, has that, it been confirmed? I didn't see I mean, that part. Okay. It's just too obvious not to be confirmed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, why would she not be in it? Yeah. Because there has to be one uh, comic relief type role. One person that just, as Richard said, just falls down. Yeah. Uh, and I, I assume that uh, that will be Melissa McCarthy. Um, yeah, so she'll basically be the Bill Murray of this movie. Sure. <laughs> who, who else can you see? Let's say they. Uh, <laughs> let's say this goes through. Let's just go ahead and write Madame McCarthy in. And uh, who else do you see rounding out the cast in an all-female Ghostbusters? Uh, obviously, uh, a Tina Fey. Okay. You know, you got to think a Polar could be in there. Maybe Polar, Fey, and McCarthy. The new Maybe. the trio of Ghostbusters. I don't know. Uh, you, I've heard they've offered Emma Stone a role in it multiple times. I think she's denied it multiple times. Or you know, here's here's it. a good one for you, uh, Mindy Kane, Kaylin. Okay, yeah, could I could work. I could see her doing that. The thing is with this is that they just can't find anyone that wants to make this movie. I think they've rewritten the script like a dozen times at least at this point. Last I heard, it was centered around the the original Ghostbusters kids and uh and they tried to get Jonah Hill and Emma Stone to do it but apparently they didn't want to do it they tried to get the Lord Miller duo from 22 Jump Street to direct it they didn't want to do it so i'm guessing they just re i mean changed the roles from male to female i mean uh changed yeah. every him to she in the script or something like that. Okay, let's just go a completely different direction. Let's make a bridesmaid-centric Ghostbusters right. for a reboot. So I guess that's what they're doing here. It'll it'll work. If it's Melissa McCarthy, as Brian said, it'll make $50, $75 million at least yeah. if she's involved. Uh, don't, don't ask me why because I still don't know uh, the appeal there. But they're going in a completely different direction, and uh, yeah. it's not the direction I would have thought they would have gone well, in. But, I mean, it's very bold. I got to admit it is. that. It, that's what I was going to say. In in it, the defense of this movie, that, that's the right thing to do. This The move that they're making is the right thing to do rather than try to move forward with a with a male – without Bill Murray, Ghostbusters doesn't work. So if you're going to continue to try to go down that path, you have to – 
to try to do something radically different. So having all female leads, they've the guy who's writing this, who wrote the script, besides Dan Aykroyd, um, has some funny credits to his name. So there's, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility. This turns out to be not terrible. I just. I think we're all just done with – I mean Richard's been on the I hate Melissa McCarthy bandwagon for a long time. I'm just – I still hate, think Bridesmaids is, right. is a fine I've, film. Just, But I'm tired of it and I, I feel yeah. like we should all be tired of it. I like Melissa McCarthy when she's doing like quasi-serious stuff. Okay. Like when she's just playing a regular character, I think she's really likable and really good. I just get tired of the Chris Farley impersonation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got a role in that Bill Murray St. Vincent movie coming out yes. later this year, I believe. <laughs> That actually looks would, pretty good. I mean, I love About a Boy, and I'll love it even more with Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> exactly. Do you, you know that uh, McCarthy got a an Emmy nomination for hosting SNL, in which yeah, she, she fell yeah. down just just for an hour and a half. It was just falling. Like no, no, no joke. Like you, you listeners probably think I'm being oh he's just he's being sarcastic there. Uh, she probably fell down. No, every single joke, every <laughs> skit was her in a. Very unattractive costume, like playing a janitor or something like that, just falling. And okay, here's an award. Can we can we give you an, an award? I mean, uh, I know you're not a star of SNL, but you hosted, so can we nominate you for that? We can. Okay, here you go. Here's an Emmy nominate. You know, she. Let's not forget. And I, I I will remind listeners every time we we possibly can about this. She was nominated for an Oscar Academy Award. For her role in Bridesmaids, in which the most memorable line was, I don't even know which end that came out of. <laughs> so uh, there you go. There's the standard we've set for, <laughs> for America. Great, guys. Good, good job. Uh, that's, that's, that's the only depressing thing about Ghostbusters if they go the falling down route with it. Uh, I'm yeah. not opposed to an all-female cast at all. Totally. We'll have to see. And it'll probably be another five years until we see it come out because that movie has been rumored since 2006. So cool news. Anything else? You What else did you want to discuss quickly, uh, Brian? Uh, yeah, like two or three like really small quick hits. Uh, Chadwick Boseman is rumored to be playing Black Panther in the Black Panther Marvel film, which is slated for like 20, 2018, I think. Okay. Um. So I didn't know that he wasn't allowed to be in biopic, just just biopics. I thought that's yeah. all he was doing. But, of an inf- uh, influential cultural uh, <laughs> <right>. desegregation figures. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, he's a great. That guy's a great actor. I yeah, just, he's great. He's great. He does. I'm very, actually psyched for the James Brown movie. I need to go see that because I love. Who doesn't love James Brown? Sure. So that's that'll be interesting. That's probably good casting on their part. Uh, Avatar two is finally going to start shooting next year, so I know we're all very excited about that. Mm. Twelve years after the fact of uh, of the original Avatar. So seriously, does anybody care about Avatar? I didn't care about Avatar one, but it made two billion dollars. So right. I don't know. Right. Who knows? There's somebody probably I, does. I feel like they're the studio and James Cameron are going to be very disappointed with whatever they take out of Avatar because I just don't. I don't think it's going to do that well compared – I mean especially compared to the first one. I don't think anybody's chomping at the bit for another Avatar. I don't, I don't really get yeah. it. In defense of, of Mr. Cameron here just a little bit, he, he did try to go uh, in a different direction with the sequels. I'm hearing he spent – I don't know. Ever since Avatar came out, he's been writing or working on the scripts for him. Apparently they wrote all of them – like he chose six different writers – and they met all in a room every day for like a year straight and uh, hammered out the beats of all three movies all, all at once 
Uh, so they're writing them all at once, all three films. So they're, I guess, all invested in all three movies, if that makes sense, mm. uh, emotionally. And uh, and so writer for for movie one, Avatar two will be will know exactly where it's going in two and three. So I think that's just good foresight by James Cameron. Not saying it's going to work or be anything bigger or better than Avatar one. Um, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a different way to go about doing a sequel now, uh, sure. to have that foresight to say, okay, in 2021, here's what the movie's going to be, you know, sort of a, just an ambitious way to do it. So that, that's just what I've heard about it. I don't, I, again, I'm not defending at all making another avatar because we don't need another avatar. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone really cares at this point. Uh, but yeah, that's just what I'd heard about it. So. Sure. I, I don't think I'd shared that on the podcast yet. So I did share, I think I talked to a Fox uh, legal executive uh, when I was in, in school and he said that Avatar 2 takes place entirely underwater. So we had that to look forward to and that okay. uh, it's all avatars. There's no humans in it. So it's all uh, blue people. So I guess the entire movie would pretty much be animated, though, right? I mean, I guess with real ocean footage or something. That's the deal. Um, Sam Worthington apparently wanted a huge check to come back. Like he's got a lot going on right now. Yeah. He'll, he'll re he'll regret this. <laughs> but the, the, the debate was, well, since he's an avatar the whole time, do we even have to get him? Can we just, you know, use a, a an animated CGI version of him? Like, is that technically his likeness or not? Uh, what do they do about the voice? I, I think they could figure something out. There's, there's technology. There are voice actors that can do a, a Sam Worthington type voice, I think, a Jake Scully voice. And it's just it's just a fun little debate that they've been having on uh on on the returning on who's gonna return in the cast and everything. So a little Avatar news. That is something to look forward to, I guess, just this story of the production of that movie, because I'm sure it'll be a pretty crazy production. Sure. Um but there is one a little bit of casting news I wanted to discuss. Uh John Favreau's the jungle book. Yes, that was my last piece of news as well. Good, 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 good work there, Kinto. Right on. Um, John Favreau's The Jungle Book is starting production really soon. It's a fully live action version of The Jungle Book, the classic Disney property. And uh, Andy Serkis was going to direct this movie, but I am assuming his involvement in Star Wars is keeping him away from that. Uh, that's just that's an inclination. I'm not sure about that at all, or if he just handed it off. No, to John he's Favreau. he's doing uh he's doing a different Jungle Book that comes out the next year. His is, is not his is not Disney. Really? His is uh yeah, definitely produced, and his will probably be rated R. It's based off the actual books. Oh wow, it's really a like a dark Jungle Book. Wow. I yeah, but it comes out that. almost almost a year to the date of John Favreau's. I saw that article yesterday. So reason I randomly know that. Wow. Cool. That's actually really exciting. Hey, uh, Richard, we're going to need you to stop knowing things when you come to the podcast. I know. You're just supposed <laughs> to provide jokes. Can't tell if you're being sarcastic. No, I actually serious. am like, dead serious. I read an article about the Favreau movie casting. Look at me reading articles. And then it said, had a paragraph after that about how circuses starts production soon, too. But it's it's almost all computer generated and will be like super dark with like blood and murder. Okay. Murder. But also all the songs of the Disney original. <laughs> it's weird. It's a weird hybrid. That is crazy. I, I really didn't know that. I have an article here that, that talks about that talks about Circus's version and uh the title 
is called the Jungle Book Origins. Yeah, that's that circus is a version. So wow, you learn something new uh, every freaking Mad About Movie podcast. Unfortunately, Hugh Jackman is playing Wolverine in it. Ah, oh, it's actually a sequel to Wolf- Wolverine Origins. Wow, <laughs> that's that's crazy. I, I, if anyone can make that work, circus circus can do it. That's the future. Hollywood. We don't have enough money to put it to like put out all these blockbusters. We're just going to cross them all over. It'll be yeah. fine. Audiences are idiots. They won't even notice. I'm just excited to watch Kevin Costner draft magicians. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what our podcast? I mean, I, I'm in. I meant to mention this earlier. If if the casting comes out for now, you see me too, and they're like. Melissa McCarthy has joined the cast of Now You See Me. <laughs> what would happen to us? Like, would our heads explode? What if Hollywood, was, there was one guy that made all these decisions and he was just a big fan of our show and was like, this one will be good. <laughs> yep, that's right. Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Got him. Yep. It's worked so far. He's doing a great job. He's doing a really good job. So I think we revealed a couple weeks ago that the only person we knew was in this movie was... Idris Elba voicing Sherry Khan. So we have some other voice actors revealed. Uh, Scarlett Johansson as K or Ka? Ka. Ka? Okay. Yeah, and it's Sher Khan, not not Sher. Look at me. I know how to pronounce something. Sher Khan. Sorry. So the guy who says Han Solo. I know. I can't say anything yet. It's pronounced both ways in the movie, so uh, just in case anyone uh, was confused (laughs) about that. Anyway, Bill Murray announced as Baloo. Yes. American Treasure, Bill Murray. American Treasure, Bill Murray. Also cast in the Jungle Book, Pabro's version, American Treasure, Christopher Walken. Yes. As King Louie. Exciting. That's awesome. And uh, also Ben Kingsley as Bagheera. Is that pronounced correctly? Bagheera? Yep. Bagheera. Yep. Thank you, pronunciation expert Brian Gill. All of a sudden. <laughs> what is Kingsley's character again? Gahira? Bagheera. Bagheera. I heard that halfway through the Jungle Book, though, you find out that he's not really Bagheera, but just an actor playing Bagheera. <laughs> and test audiences are not happy. Right. Sorry, if you have not seen the House of Sand and Fog, we just ruined the ending for you. <laughs> he's just an actor playing Gandhi. He's not really Gandhi. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he's drunken and he loves soccer. <laughs> and his name's Trevor. Randomly, <laughs> just the most most surfer dude name of all time. I'm excited about Bill Murray uh, doing yeah. animated voiceover work that's not Garfield. So that's exciting. <laughs> this is actually funny, but only three people will get this. You know how he took the role of Garfield because it was the wrong Cohen brother? Yeah. Right. Well, the guy that wrote all the really eloquent Obama speeches from the 2008 campaign is also named John Favreau. So how <laughs> funny would it be if Bill Murray was like, yeah, I really like that guy's speech. Those speeches he wrote for Obama, I'm going to take this part. And he just continues to be cursed with animated. <laughs> Come on. That oh, was pretty funny, Kent. It was funny. But what if he thought it was a different Rudyard Kipling? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's one of the funniest. The Cohen Garfield story is hilarious. Look yes. that one up. Amazing. Uh, so that's all I really had for movie news this week. A little bit of casting news. There's some true detective news that we could talk about, too. Uh, a rumor, I guess. Uh, that the, vil- the villain? No, it's the full cast has apparently been oh. revealed for True Detective Season 2. Uh, I guess it. I can mention it. So it, apparently it's uh, going to be three males and uh, one female as the lead mm-hmm. cast. So the males apparently are Colin Farrell. 
Oh yes, Emil yes. Hirsch, mm. and mm. and uh, Vince Vaughn. Yeah, I've apparently. heard Vince Vaughn is going to be the villain. Okay, and uh, Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men also attached. Ooh, huh. Peggy so, Olsen. that's interesting. Right. All right. Right. So, uh, brief thoughts on that before we talk Guardians, guys. New True Detective could it possibly be better than season one? High bar has been set by Harrelson sure. and 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 the McConaissance last year. Sure. So Brian yeah, and I, I are kind of fans of the Feral Feral Colin Feralissants. Yes. Big time, so big time fans. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think I think that guy's fantastic. So I'm I'm stoked about that. Emil Hirsch, you know. He's been in one of my favorite movies of all time, Into the Wild, and then he's been in Speed Racer. So I, I don't really know how to judge Your his second favorite movie of career. all time. Right. Yeah, exactly. He's got one and two. Um, <laughs> so that that's tough. I'm actually – I'm totally on board with Vince Vaughn, and I, I saw a lot of backlash on that. But I think, I think Vince Vaughn can be a very good actor when he actually gives a crap about what he's doing. So this is this could be one of those roles that you look back on in 10 or 15 years and you're like, that turned his career around. Um, I think he can definitely he can definitely pull that off. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic about his role on that. I am as well. It'll be interesting to see where he takes that role. Uh, I think Emil Hirsch is like sort of the right kind of celebrity to do this. Like not too famous, not too, not uh, not quite. I mean, he's waiting to break out. I think, and has been since two thousand. Has been for a long time. Yeah, but he does. He is a good actor. I will say that. But he, uh, Colin Farrell, brings the star power as well as Vince Vaughn. I think Elizabeth Moss and Emil Hirsch bring uh, a little bit of underdog status to it. So sure, exciting, really exciting. I, I'm almost more excited to see what they do with the show as far as like what the subject matter for this season is going to be more than the cast, because I think it, it could, I think it's a show that doesn't necessarily need a great cast for me to care about it. If they do an exciting or interesting story. I, I mean, we've talked about it when we did our true detective episode. I hope they don't just go directly into another, uh, another murder plot. I hope they do something a little bit different. Uh, I think that's the best way that they could keep that show fresh for five or eight seasons is, is not to just continually do like serial killer sort of, sort of murdery stuff, but to do something different with it. hundred percent agree. Really excited for it. And yeah. uh, I'm assuming it'll come out this time next year, probably next fall. I would, I would think it'll take at least six months to a year to, to film and get ready. So Highly anticipated, and I'm sure uh, we'll we'll do an episode on that too. True Detective season two. Hey, ma'am, fam, question for you: Do you own a small business, or are you a boss? Are you looking to hire awesome people, but you just can't find somebody to fill that role? Well, let me tell you about ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100 plus job sites all with one click. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. Right now, you can post your jobs for free on ZipRecruiter by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash mad. That's ZipRecruiter. Dot com slash mad. One more time, try it for free. Go to ziprecruiter.com slash mad. Thanks to ZipRecruiter for supporting this episode of the Mad About Movies podcast. Hey, what's up, ma'am, fam? Kent here. 
And yes, if you're hearing from me, you know it's time to talk about Blue Apron. If you haven't tried out Blue Apron by now, what the heck are you even doing? Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They deliver fresh meals straight to your door. All the food is fresh. It's sourced from local farms. And there's no wasted ingredients. I've been a Blue Apron subscriber for a long time now. And they have still, to this day, never let me down. There's tons of variety. Some featured upcoming meals include summer vegetable and egg paninis, soy glazed pork and rice cakes, skillet vegetable chili with cheddar drop biscuits, holy crap, and garlic butter shrimp and corn with green bean salad. So take it from me. Try out Blue Apron now. Go to blueapron.com mad. That's blueapron.com mad. Get three meals on us for free. Nothing goes better with a movie than dinner. So check out Blue Apron, blueapron.com slash mad. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. So guys, without further ado, let's move on and talk Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay, guys, where should we where should we begin with this? Any suggestions on 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 where to freaking start with yeah. this movie? I'm gonna probably let Brian Gill kick it off. Man, what what the heck did you think of this of this movie? First of all, tell me your a little bit of your anticipation for it, sure. if you had any anticipation, and then uh, give us general thoughts, uh, saving spoilers for a little bit later on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, so I was I was very optimistic about the movie, very excited about it, but trying to keep myself from getting too pumped up because it just seemed like like I really love the casting decisions that they had made. It it felt like and and even picking James Gunn as the director, like it felt like they were really like Marvel as a whole was really trying to give this a chance to be uh, almost like separate yet equal in a way. Like be you're you're definitely a part of the Marvel universe, but off to the side where you can do some of some different stuff than what we typically get from Marvel movies. So I was very excited about that, but I, I try really hard not to let myself get too pumped up about any movie um, because I don't want the Phantom Menace to happen to me again, where I was just certain that it was going to be the best movie of all time. And, and it took me like six months to admit that it wasn't, you know, stuff like that. So I didn't want to put myself through that, but man, this is, I, I, I really, really, really liked this movie a lot, and I, I don't know that there's been another movie this year that I have been so genuinely excited about going to see again. Like I'm going to go see it again tomorrow. If I would have had time, I would have seen it at least uh, one more time. Between, I saw it at you know 10 o'clock on Thursday night. I totally would have walked back into the theater the next day if I if I would have had time. It's such a fun fun movie um i love what it does for the marvel universe and and the I, I feel like the windows that it opens up for them to go through i love the characters i, I want to talk a lot about the characters as we get going but this is just a to me this is just a major success and a a great indication of what you can do with uh, a big not just a big budget but like a big budget and the right people and i think that's something we've seen throughout the year godzilla is a great example of giving an indie director an opportunity to make something huge uh and and i think gareth edwards did a great job with that 
I'm trying not to get too excited about Jurassic World because I think it kind of has the same sort of feel right now as Godzilla and and a little bit of Guardians of they've got a great cast they've got a great director can they do something with it that uh, is is interesting and uh, exciting and whatnot um, but man this is a this is just you're you're not gonna have I don't think anyone you're you're not gonna have more fun at the theater in 2014 than uh, than I did with Guardians this was just this was a blast man blast love this movie. Richard, you're uh you're about less than 24 hours removed from seeing it. So, fresh thoughts. Yeah, okay. So, um in terms of like uh my excitement level and all that good stuff, I was, you know, I didn't know really anything about the property when when we first started talking about it last year on the podcast it was probably the first I'd really heard that it even existed. I read comic books as a kid some, but not often, and then also like I just read the really I didn't go deep into the canon of uh, either Marvel or DC. But uh, so anyway, I, I, I you know, and it, it was hard, you know, having this podcast and, you know, having the interest that I do not to hear about this movie all the way through production. And it's I, Brian, I really love the casting. I love Chris Pratt and, and Bradley Cooper's fun. And we all know um, I belong to the church, church O'Diesel. Uh <laughs> You know, so I'm super excited. Kent got me all hyped because it was his most hyped of the year. But then I started, you know, seeing the real trailers and kind of really get a feel for what the movie would be, at least aesthetically and tonally, and get a feel for it. And then I kind of earned my own excitement and all that. So I, I went in really pumped um, due to all those expectations, but just ready to kind of be taken away. Uh, Marvel movies had not let me down before. And uh, you guys are going to hate me. I didn't love this. I, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, and in parts, uh, but I had some quarrels with it. It was not perfect to me. I think it's a little overhyped, but I think, I mean, it's very good. It's, it's a great blockbuster movie. I'm so glad I saw it. I would, I would even see it again, but I don't know. I, it's just not to me on par with a lot of the really good Marvel stuff. I would put this one kind of on par with like Iron Man three and things like that. Like very good fun movies, but not like to me, perfect. But to, to that, I, I really, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Diesel and Cooper were great, and and the animatronics or anim- animation behind all that was like some of the best I'd ever seen. Yeah, the 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 criticisms I have of it, I just didn't find. Um, and, and some of this is purposeful; just didn't hit with me. But I didn't find Chris Pratt's character, and I love Chris Pratt, to be like that likable organically. It seemed like he was doing an impression of likable the whole time. If that makes sense. Um, and I didn't. Gamora was kind of boring to me, and I like Zoe, but it was just like. So Star Trekky to me, and even like the um, what was the planet that was like the good United Nation planets, Nova, yeah, Nora, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. It looked like the where the Starfleet is. Like I'm pretty sure that was the same set, like lighting and everything. Mm-hmm. I kept expecting like uh, the other Chris Pine to like run by or something in a <laughs> very form fitting suit. But the, I really did. I liked. I liked very much this movie. I just. I. I don't think I share the appreciation that that you certainly do, Brian, or that I think you do, Kent. But in fairness, Kent's been you know hypnotizing himself about this movie for two years. So, <laughs> right. But Kent, you go. You go. You're going to have more exciting things sure. to me. I. I kind of fall between you. You two guys, and it's. It's not that I didn't not like this movie. It's just that I was so familiar with the property beforehand. My anticipation was less, I'm excited to see this on the screen and more of, I know what this can be cinematically and as a blockbuster. So I'm going to say that I wasn't completely blown away by this movie, 
But I was, however, 110% satisfied with it mm-hmm. because I knew what it could be and it met my expectation of what I thought it could be. The intro of the movie, it sets the tone. I, I was a little skeptical at first when it started off with, with young Peter Quill and his mom dying. And uh, I mean, it all comes around in the end, which we'll talk about in spoilers. But risky way to start off this movie, I think. Uh, but But right after that, we get... Uh, get our first introduction to, to Pratt, Star Lord, or Quill, and uh, the opening credits of this movie. I just knew I was I was 100 percent in <laughs> when we finally see Star Lord and he's dancing to "Come and Get Your Love" on a on a Sony Walkman uh, while the credits yeah. roll. Uh, I was smiling from ear to ear. I was like, "Okay, yes, this is." Uh, I was nodding and and smiling. I was like, "This is this is James Gunn," you know. <laughs> There is so much of Gunn in this film. He is such a... Including his brother. Including his brother. You're right. Such a... He's such an eccentric human being. I mean, he's like Tarantino, but not Tarantino. Does that make sense? He's more like a blockbuster-y Tarantino. Uh, Tarantino would never probably make a movie this big. But when you listen to interviews with, with James Gunn and you see him talk, his passion for film is just incredible. And... Moreover, his passion for Marvel comics and Marvel properties is huge as well. And it's funny that he said he, as a child, had like a weird obsession with raccoons. Like he would (laughs) collect raccoon figurines. (laughs) I was the same way. I wanted to go by raccoon in kindergarten instead of Richard. (laughs) Seriously. Weird. (laughs) It's just just funny that he ended up. And he said, I think, I can't remember where I saw it, but he said he felt like he was genetically like engineered to make this film. <laughs> and uh, what's great about it is that Feige and Marvel just let him do this movie how he wanted to do it. You can just tell that there was very little stuff that they wanted to, to cram into this movie that was that paralleled with other Marvel properties, other MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe properties that we've seen other than the Thanos, which we got teased at the end of the Avengers. So having said that, I was 110% satisfied with this film. Brian, like you, I wanted to see this movie immediately again. And uh, I saw it at a midnight screening on Thursday night, and it came out uh, on Friday the 1st. I immediately went back the next morning and saw it again. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and, and had a, a better time the second time I, I saw it because I wasn't so worried about is this good, is this bad. Uh, sure. Once once I knew what it was, I could sit back and enjoy it for what it was more. Uh, but this movie really had everything I wanted. It was funny, great action. It was action packed. It was dramatic. I mean, it had its it's it's definitely a, a sentimental film. Uh, it was extremely colorful. The production design was fantastic. The creature design was also fantastic. There was a great borderline of practical and uh, and computer-generated effects in the film that I feel like a lot of science fiction, especially comic book films, can't seem to to figure out the right medium between the two. I feel like this did that perfectly. And uh, there are other specifics that I loved about the film. But let's talk about the characters, since there there are so many characters. Richard, I'm with you. Gamora... As a character, brought very little to this film other than a female presence. But in the comics, she's not much more than a a leeway or a medium to Thanos. 
a reason for Thanos to be involved. I think that's that's her role in this as well. Like a reason that that Thanos is the ultimate villain in this movie is through Gamora. And uh and also Nebula is Gamora's sister in the film too. I think plot-wise Gamora serves a bigger purpose than she does character-wise. Uh didn't bring much to the role, but there wasn't much to to work with here. The the stars of this film is Drax, believe it or not, and Groot and Rocket and and Quill, as well as Yondu, who I also really enjoyed. Uh, but let's talk about more about the characters, Brian. What were your thoughts on on the characters? And uh, let's get let's start talking about them individually. I guess. What did you think of first of all the star, Chris Pratt as Star Lord? Yeah. So one of the I think one of the complaints about the, for me, and I love the Marvel films. I'm I'm big blockbuster guy and and love all the Marvel movies, but. I think the complaint for me about those films is that there aren't there aren't very many great characters. Uh, Tony Stark slash Iron Man is a great character, but after that, um, you know, Captain America, Thor, the Hulk, all these these people are uh, they're exciting because of either what they can become, what they can do, or what they represent. But I don't find them to be uh, characters that I care about because of their personality, you know, or because of, um, what they bring to the screen beyond again, like their superpower. Basically, I think if you took for me personally, if I took all of the characters from the, uh, the MCU and, and ranked them from top to bottom, Tony Stark would probably be first. And then like, Two, three, four, five, and and so on down the list would be all characters from Guardians because I just think they're there's a certain likability for me personally with all of these characters, even Gamora. I thought Gamora, you guys are right, she's not used nearly effective as effectively as as many of the other characters in the movie, but I felt like she did have. I mean, her her purpose is much more ninja spock like like a star trek thing then um then it is to be charismatic or anything like that but i felt like she actually had a reason to be on screen most of the time whereas let's be honest most of the female characters in superhero movies do not matter whatsoever so I, i felt like it was a step in the right direction on that front um i thought i think chris pratt is a star and i'm so excited that uh he's between this and like jurassic world next year i think he's finally going to really get his due on that front plus the lego movie as well um i think that guy really and and i've been a parks and rec fan since day one so that that doesn't hurt but i think he's a very versatile guy that uh has a lot of skills to bring to the table and so i thought he was great richard your point earlier about kind of seeming like an imitation of other characters i i can agree with but I felt I, I almost felt like some of those issues were script issues, not Chris Pratt issues. And that's um, fair. That's totally fair. And because, but there's there's moments where I really feel like Chris Pratt came through absolutely in a ways that I don't think anybody else. I, I one of my big things with like George Clooney is like I always feel like George Clooney. You see a movie with him in it, and you. You can't imagine anyone else playing that role. And I think Chris Pratt has a little bit of that quality in him. There was a few moments, one towards the end, without giving anything away at all, where he uh, (laughs) 
he says something to the effect of they got my message and he you know he throws in a couple words that we're not allowed to say on this podcast but it was such to me it's such an andy dwyer chris yes. pratt sort of thing that just kind I of there's several their moments their like lions that. yes <laughs> i yes. don't know what this is but if it comes down to lions <laughs> yeah yeah, like that's kind of, exactly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right there. That's totally fair. And, and my criticisms of that character are really not with Pratt, who I adore. It really is just with the, kind of the writing of that character. It just sure. seemed like let's put in roguish cliche number two here. Yeah, yeah, and totally. you know what I mean. That that's that's more what it was. Yeah, there's definitely a, a, a Han Solo knockoff element. There's a uh, Mal Reynolds from Firefly. There's a lot of similarities to those to those characters, but I felt like he took kind of the best of those characters and spun it his own way and made it to me was a very likable character by the end for sure let's not forget uh pratt's dramatic work uh in, yeah in moneyball as well as mm-hmm. zero dark 30 which totally. was great work too. very versatile actor right much, I, I mean that i don't like to compare anybody to tom hanks but if you're looking for the next tom hanks that might be the guy honestly sure wow i can't argue with that except tom hanks was never a in a superhero movie, yet right, right, I'm still waiting for him to bulk up and be cast in Dawn of Justice, <laughs> yeah, as yeah. Uh, as the Flash. So He's step in, yeah, yeah. There you go. Only if Peter Scar plays the Green Lantern. <laughs> Interesting fact about Pratt: he also auditioned for the roles of Jake Scully on Avatar and uh, Captain Kirk in in JJ Abrams Star Trek. Didn't get either one of those. Hmm. You so, know it's. Had to be really disappointing for him to see what those movies became. And he yeah. kind of is this year's Sam Worthington. Like Chris Pratt isn't everything like yeah. Sam Worthington was four years ago or so. I think it'll end better for Pratt, but it is kind of similar. Like, wow, we really like Chris Pratt all of a sudden, you know? Right. Uh, not that he's not perfectly, perfectly deserving. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. My issue with Gamora is more about in the comics, she's built and she's well, her character literally in the Marvel universe is the most powerful woman in the universe. Sure. And I didn't really see that on the screen yet. Yeah. That's uh, I, she was almost a lot more of a love interest for, for star Lord than she was mm. an assassin in this movie. There are, there are some great sequences though, where all of the, the guardians are used effectively. They, their skill sets are used effectively. And, uh, Gamora definitely serves a purpose there. Uh, when yep. they're first breaking out of jail and stuff, she uses her ninja, like Black Widow skills, uh, effectively there. But you're right. She serves more of a purpose than, than any other female has served in the other Marvel films, except arguably hey, what? Kat Dennings needed to be there. She, <laughs> I was going to say, arguably, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts. She's, sure. She's yeah, a, a plot one. device that's been used. In in seriously four or five movies at this Completely. point, no, that's a very crucial part for female. The other characters we have here, uh, the Guardians themselves. Uh, before we get into the big ones, how about uh, how about Drax the Destroyer, Bautista? I I left this movie just so surprised that some of the funniest moments of the film came from Drax the Destroyer. I just did not totally. see that coming in to the movie. He's used so effectively. His Dialogue is fantastic, and uh, and Bautista plays it just perfectly. I think, and, absolutely. Uh, and he's just he, he he's so Shakespearean in the way he talked, and I just didn't anticipate that at all. So, Brian, what did you think of Drax? 
Yeah, I was blown away. I mean, that was a that was a major surprise. I was surprised in general how funny this movie turned out to be, but I, I would have never thought, especially the only thing that I have to reference for Bautista beyond WWE stuff is he was in Riddick and he was horrible in Riddick. Um, so I, I would have never thought that he would bring me such joy because he really that the character is very well written, but he brings almost like a almost a quirky charisma to it which i would yeah. never have thought would have would have come out of that he's he's a total scene stealer for sure definitely richard what did you think of drax first off he was freaking huge um he should be in a dc movie looking like that yeah. uh maybe it's like lois lane or something could be good but um <laughs> no he was he was he was great it might one of my favorite characters in the movie uh i i enjoyed those guys very much and he was Great comic relief and uh, nice, like imposing present. They kind of set him up as like a backup Groot at the beginning, like everything Groot can't do physically, Batista can do. But then he kind of uh, comes around and proves his worth. So uh, funny and very funny. Some of the funniest lines in the movie. Sure, the the most memorable line uh, from him, uh, I think he's talking with with Star Lord, and Star Lord says, uh, "That just went right over your head, didn't you? Didn't it?" And he says, "Nothing goes over my head." My reflexes right. are too fast. I will snatch it. Yes. <laughs> uh, he's just so great. And, and like I said, going in, you think he's just going to be this intimidating brute force, sort of like what Nolan did with Bane. You know, just right. all strength and power and nothing more than that. And uh, they found a really good, uh, good use for him other than that physical power in this film, in my opinion. Sure. So the two main characters of the film i think that the two people are talking about the most leaving the film rocket raccoon and groot um let's start with groot here we are diesel fans and uh and and knowing that diesel was involved with this film was was really exciting knowing that he had three words to say i am groot uh actually four words but that's a spoiler uh there is it was incredible the way they used him effectively the yeah. way. And, and that's something that's not, I didn't really find in the comics that there was no context to I am Groot. I want to get your thoughts on Groot. And were you satisfied with, with a, uh, a talking tree? Uh, Brian, what were your, what were your thoughts on, on diesel's little performance here? It's a great, it's a great character. It's so weird that a talking tree that has two words or three words is, can be a great character, but it really is. And they used, um, look, I'm a huge, I'm a diesel super fan. I have been for ever. So I'm super biased, but I think the way, uh, that he, you know, altered his voice for each version of I am Groot so that it would mean something different. And, um, yeah, I mean, he did great work with what he, a very limited thing that he had to work with. Uh, some of the a, animators created so absolutely, much emotion. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, it's totally true. Um, that's a great character. And I know there's lots and lots of people that are coming out really stoked about a freaking talking tree. I mean, that that's a strange, I don't think anybody came out of Lord of the Rings, super excited about the ints, you know, I mean, that's tree beard. A, yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of a, that should be very much like like Drax, honestly. That should, both of those characters should be fairly throwaway characters that are there for maybe you get a little comic relief or just brute force. Um, but instead, you you actually, I mean, I I got attached to Groot. You know, it's it it was 
uh, it was a weird phenomenon in, in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a great character. Richard, Groot thoughts? Yeah, Groot, Groot was my guy. It's my, I mean, it's Diesel, so obviously, you know, I have a Dom tattoo on my neck. <laughs> because of family. <laughs> that was very no, he, Dracula, almost. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, he, that's his next film. Okay, I'm I'm down. I'm gonna kill Van Helsing. <laughs> um, but first, let me drink this blood in this really weird way. Tip. Um, <laughs> no, he uh, he was excellent. I mean, the chemistry between him and 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 uh, Rocket were was the best part of the movie. Um, and yeah, the animators deserve so much credit because you like, man, you love Groot so hard, and that's you know not a real even looking character. It's not even a cute fuzzy little animal. It's just all. Right. Uh, performance or whatever, but yeah, that 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 was a uh, a great job and a welcome surprise because even Vin had me a little, you know, curious about how they're going to pull off a uh, a talking tree. Right, exactly. Another little Fast and Furious connection in this film, uh, edited by Fred Raskin, who's the editor of the the Fast franchise, as well as as uh, as well as Django Unchained, and he's Tarantino's new editor oh, okay so little connection nice. there uh that i thought was interesting great work great editing but uh, so let's move on to the main draw rocket raccoon um the introduction to rocket was fantastic i think him sort of spying on everybody through that city and just making rude comments about everybody he sees fantastic i th- i was really confused by his voice at first i i was i was like is that bradley cooper like yeah. i know it is but it doesn't sound like him um, I was just surprised that Cooper brought more to this film than just his normal voice. Like he actually made a character of of the voice, uh, New York accent, obviously. But I mean, it was it was hard to recognize Bradley Cooper there, which I did not anticipate going in. So I guess we can talk a little bit about Cooper's performance before we talk about Rocket the character. Uh, what did you think of that? You're totally right, Ken. It's a he did a voice. He made a voice for this character, which is 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 exactly what you want in a you know in a voice actor. You don't want them to just come in and be Bradley Cooper. You want them to do, especially in a movie where, I mean, I think this. I think Guardians has more cinematic aspirations than like Madagascar Three or something. You know that has a lot of voiceover characters, voice work characters. If you gotta um, let so, David Schwimmer be David Schwimmer, <laughs> exactly. You, do you not- don't want to. Don't get in the way of his process, okay? Um, but no, like that's it, you want that, and and I I'm totally with you. If you didn't know Bradley Cooper was the voice of Rocket, you I, like when we walked out, my wife was like, "Wait, Bradley Cooper was in that movie?" I mean, yeah, it was a, yeah. You know, and that's awesome. That's that's great. I think that shows. Well, a Bradley Cooper is a really really good actor. Um, he, I don't think he gets credit for. I mean, I say that, and he's had like two Oscar nominations lately. But you know what I mean. He's he's a better actor than he gets credit for because he looks the way he does, and because of you know he kind of has the I don't know he has a fun persona. I Question. guess um, uh, he got two Oscar nominations for a team. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wrote it. I don't know if you knew. That. Okay. Uh, he, he got a writing and it's the best supporting actor. No. Uh, yeah, he was he was great. And Rocket is a great character. I can't ever remember seeing a movie that featured, like what you said, Richard, that featured uh, um, chemistry between two CGI characters that was not only effective but genuine and really made a made the movie in a lot of ways. Like there are moments, many moments within the movie that are 
made great specifically by a relationship between a talking tree and a talking raccoon, which is kind of insane to say. So kudos to all involved in making that a possibility. But he also brings he brought, Rocket just brings so many laughs. The leg bit killed me. I missed yeah. like three minutes of the movie because I was laughing so hard uh, at, at that. And, and there's other moments throughout where he just, man, he just, he really brought it. And that's a, that's a great character. Fantastic. That was our main, probably, uh, worry coming into this movie. Uh, we've said for two years now, if you can make rocket work, this movie mm-hmm. will work. Uh, yeah. it's a hard sell to say, okay, this is a talking, uh, raccoon who is also an assassin and he shoots a machine gun and and has a uh, a best friend who's a tree that only says three words. I mean, that's right. basically the the pitch here. And uh, and wow, did it work? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I don't think you know. I, I would say probably over ninety percent of the crowd probably had no, had no you know prior knowledge of Guardians. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, they were all in. Everyone, they were all in on these characters. Uh, right from the get-go there was no oh you if you knew the characters then you would really like them in this movie you know it's like everyone liked what they saw the first time around which was which was really cool to see happen but uh yeah just great chemistry between them rocket was just so entertaining every character in this movie was was entertaining to me that's what i liked about it it's unlike Mm -hmm. the past marvel films where if they're not if it's not an action scene and I don't really want to see it in Captain America. I really don't care unless he's throwing the shield and doing a you know a great martial arts sequence or something like that. Same with Thor. I really don't care about Thor's relationship with Natalie Portman. I just don't care. I was so satisfied in this film with the dialogue when it was just the three or four uh, of the Guardians just sitting around talking about stuff. Uh, the mm-hmm. most memorable scene right. in the film is when they're agreeing to go – and destroy Ronin or, or get the infinity gem from Ronin. Uh, and you know, they all put their hands in a circle or, or they all have to, they all stand up. And then rocket says, okay, now we're just four idiots standing in a circle. Look at us. You know, <laughs> yeah. that was the most easily the best part and most memorable scene in the, in the film to me. And it was just them talking like a, a 10 page dialogue scene. Okay. You're right. Those uh, kind of character scenes were the best part of this movie. I do disagree with you on. I, I'm always captivated by the Thor and you know Chris Hemsworth and, and Natalie Portman scenes because I just sit there staring. You know, which one of these two people do I have a bigger crush on? <laughs> um, but other than that, your point is well taken. Those those were my main thoughts on the main characters, and and I could talk honestly for an hour just about those characters. But uh, we need to keep this podcast somewhat. Uh, in the listenable range and not longer than the movie itself. So let's talk about the villains here. Lee Pace as Ronan. I think the setup was was good. My only complaint, and this will be my main complaint about the film as a whole, a lot to follow, villain-wise. They throw a lot at you really, really fast at the beginning. Uh, there's, there's multiple villains. You don't really know whether Yondu is a villain or not. Thanos is thrown in there. Nebula, of course, is in there as well. It's just a lot to absorb in an origin story of a film, yeah. villain-wise. I think they could have kept it at Thanos, and um, and the Collector is also here as well, Del Toro's character, Benicio Del Toro's character. But So let's start with, with Ronan here. What did you think of Lee Pace? Uh, did you think he was an effective villain, or were you scared of him? I like Lee Pace a lot. I'm a fan. Um, 
but that's that's my complaint with the movie. I and it's it's Marvel's problem overall. And I'm this is not an original thought at all because I've seen it in a thousand op eds over the last week. Uh, we don't have great villains in the Marvel universe, and Loki and the Avengers is the closest that we've gotten to something great or or really even something good. I thought Ronan had a chance to be something spectacular, and I think you're spot on, Kent. I I really think the film would have been better off just having it be Ronan and not even bringing in Thanos into the discussion because I think that took away from – A, it took minutes away from, from Ronan that maybe we could have gotten some development into an interesting and – terrifying villain uh or or a villain up to the challenge of of our various protagonists um i don't think thanos brings anything to this story beyond just loosely connecting it to the rest of the marvel universe which i you know i understand the value of doing that uh but point is i don't i think all of the villains within marvel are are not particularly good and this is another one that um it just leaves it leaves something wanting. And I don't know exactly what that is. I don't know if it's that we're not spending time developing those characters or if it's just a lack of strong villains in the universe. I I, I don't know what the answer to that is. But at some point, Marvel is going to have to create a villain that seems like they can actually stand up to Iron Man and Star-Lord and the Hulk and all of these various people and have them be – have them matter on the screen because I don't think the villains in these stories matter. And, and Ronan to me was no, was no exception. Yeah. Uh, any Ronan thoughts, Richard? Yeah. And this is where my beef starts to come in with the movie reasons. I didn't lo- love it. Not only pretty boring character, pretty bad performance from Mr. Pace, who I also like, like so over the top and Ken, to your point earlier, the creature art and makeup and everything in this, in this movie was great. But I don't know who they hired to do Lee Paces because he just looked like Tobias Funke and Blue Man Group like stuff. Like, <laughs> right. It was just clearly just like body paint on him. I don't know what I he he. I seriously would watch some of those scenes, and I was like, "Is this an old like Power Rangers episode?" Like the makeup on him was was really poor, and I didn't think his performance was was very good, even for a Marvel villain. But Brian, your point is dead on. I think that is if they have a problem, that's it. I actually liked. I don't. Uh, uh, Red Skull was good. They should have kept him around somehow. Yeah, yeah, they did. They 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 sort of did. They sort of brought him back in the Winter Soldier. Yeah, uh, sure, but I mean, but yeah, keep he, him around for one Hugo of the like, big Avengers yeah. movies. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think Loki is going to age well. Like, I think we're gonna we're gonna watch Avengers in like twenty twenty five and be like, remember when we were intimidated by Loki and he's wearing this like weird gold horn costume and stuff? You know, uh, mm. I think Lo- I think Tom Hiddleston, the actor, was is the best most villain-like actor we've gotten so far, but I'm not sure if Loki is, like, that great. That was my main complaint with Avengers is probably, it's like, really? Loki is 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 the one we're gonna do here? Like, they, they can't ever, you're right, Brian, they can't ever bring any villain in here that, that works. Yeah. I say we add Cumberbatch, Sherlock, and Moriarty to the fold. Moriarty <laughs> yeah. is the villain, Cumberbatch yeah. can join the Avengers, everyone wins. Right. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm down. I would okay. take it. Sounds good. They sort of they, – they brought Thanos into the fold I think more – I mean they physically showed him in this film and he has one scene. And by the way, Josh Brolin plays Thanos. Um, 
because they teased them in the Avengers in 2012. Right. It's like, okay, right. we can't go four films without at least showing him one time when you tease him. And that's the big main tease at the end of the Avengers. So uh, I think they would have done better just like you said, Brian, having Ronan and referring to Thanos here rather than actually mm-hmm. bring him into the fold. Because if you don't know him, if you haven't seen Avengers, like, okay, who's this guy? Uh, is he less powerful? Is he more powerful? You know, it's just so much to follow. And Nebula is just more of a bounty hunter. I understand that. She's she's less of a villain than anyone. Uh, she's more seeking revenge on on her sister Gamora than anything. But it's just another, another person to add. And the Collector yeah. as well. And Yondu, who sort of has a, you know, a bad turn in this film when he wants to kill Star-Lord. And it's just so much to absorb villain-wise in here. And it's it, it really is a distraction from the main characters, in my opinion. So that's, that's my main complaint. And, but I think that the main characters, the, the four Guardians, actually, or the five Guardians, I should say, they overcome that. They overcome everything. The, the moments when we have them is just so great that... I forget about every little small complaint I had about this movie. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. It's just, it's so worth it, you know, to sit yeah. through a crappy villain. It's so worth yeah. it to get these characters. Right. At some point though, Marvel has got to have, has got to create their Joker. Um, yeah. Or, because here's my main concern is that we're building up Thanos to be the Joker of this universe. And if that doesn't pay off, all of this looks a little bit dimmer than it does currently because the if the payoff is not strong then you you know you you naturally will look back and kind of uh diminish what what has happened before that so they've got to figure out something with in that realm they've got to have somebody that can that measures up to these superheroes and these characters and and whatnot and this this definitely you know Ronan Jeff definitely didn't do it yeah this movie um, James Gunn, he just he just knows films. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many little setups in here that pay off at the end that no other Marvel films just even bother with, and that's what uh, that's what kind of bothers me about about some of the Marvel movies. And let's head into spoilers now. So spoilers coming up now for Guardians of the Galaxy. When when uh, when Star Lord gets the orb at the beginning, and uh, and he sort of and that's sort of the MacGuffin of the movie. That's what everybody's trying sort of chase after. And Star Lord sort of agrees to give the the orb to Yondu at, uh, for safekeeping. The beginning of the film, we see the awesome mix Volume One playing on the on the I guess the the tape deck of inside the ship that Star Lord mm. drives. And you know they zoom out on the tape deck. It's this really old seventies tape deck. At the end of the film, when when Star Lord gives the orb to Yondu or what Yondu thinks is the actual orb. He opens it up and sees a troll in the in the orb, which we saw at the beginning of the film on the tape deck that any member of the audience would notice. And uh, a big chuckle, both screenings of mine, when the, when the troll uh, showed up at the end. So just small little setups like that that are super easy to write into a script uh, pay off huge in this, mil- in this movie. Mm-hmm. And the biggest payoff at the end is when Chris Pratt finally opens the present from his mom who dies uh, in the first scene. Uh, just shows his versatility. Chris Pratt does as an actor um, brings the much needed symp- sympathy and emotion to this film. And this movie just ends on such a high, 
I felt like. Yeah. Uh, it didn't end typically. Can't beat Jackson 5 for that note. Oh, really? Seriously? Fantastic the way to end it with with uh, with I Want You Back. And you you notice the title of the song, I Want You Back? And it says yep. the Guardians will return at yep. the end. Really cool. Little cool little uh, cool little thing by James Gunn there. Um, <laughs> but the way that it ended, it doesn't end typically, okay, the Guardians overcome, they defeat they defeat the villain, and then everybody's okay. You know, the city is saved and and we can all live happily ever after. The way that they defeat the villain is is so funny. Uh, you think it's there's this big battle coming, and then Chris Pratt just breaks out into this dance off. <laughs> <laughs> so fantastic, and and the song um, "Ooh Child, Things Are Gonna Get Easier." So funny. Uh, the the music choices in this in this film are just so perfect. Every song that they chose seems to fit the tone of the movie fantastically. Yeah. And I was telling uh, some of my buddies who I saw it with that. I mean, they couldn't have picked better music because you're not going to go back in 30 years and be like, man, that music's really dated. You know, like right. all these songs are classic songs. So, I mean, it's just great foresight there as far as uh, the timelessness of this film. But what did you guys think of the third act? We're pretty big uh, criticizers of third acts on this show. So were you satisfied with the third act of, of Guardians? Brian? I was. it Because it fit. I I felt like we were building to... A final confrontation. We got the final confrontation. I didn't have any problems with it. I didn't feel like it um, got over the top and bombastic the way like Iron Man three does. Yeah, it felt it felt right. It fit, and then and like you said, it ends with a very a moment that's very true to this film with this very strange instead of this you know the standard showdown that we usually get between hero and villain it was you know i'm <laughs> i'm going to dance until you uh you are distracted that's a that's a very odd thing to do but it it this movie's odd i mean it's you know the the best character in the whole movie is a freaking talking raccoon so um yeah it makes sense that it would would end that way but i hadn't i i loved it i thought it was a I think maybe one of the biggest strengths of the whole movie to me is that it feels even throughout. Like it, it doesn't. You don't go through the 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 mountains and valleys that you go through with a lot of other superhero movies. It's it's stays very consistent, um, and and the ending I think you know puts that on full display. Another little setup that uh, so when Rocket we first get introduced to Rocket and we find out he's sort of this MacGyver. Sort of a quartermaster, you know. Techno- I'm sorry, who's MacGyver? Is that the MacGruber spoof? <laughs> it is the MacGruber spoof, MacGyver. Okay, You're right. Uh, he's sort of this techno guru that you know is a weapons expert and everything, and he's building a bomb randomly. And like, why are you building a bomb? And and he builds the bomb. And they're like, wait, what is that next to the bomb? He's like, that's where things get really out of hand, <laughs> and that's the weapon he uses against Ronan at the end of the film. Right. Uh, another little small setup that pays off huge at the end. Richard, what do you think of the third act? My favorite act of the movie. Um, I, my, my, most of my quarrels are with the villain and the first act, which uh, you touched on Kent kind of being disorienting and just kind of uh, a little too sci-fi convention-y for me. And this is speaking to somebody who's pretty nerdy myself, but uh, just a little too like Doctor Who looking the first act. But this, I, I really did like the third act. I think everything paid off really well. Um, no, it was, it was, it was the best Marvel third act. Captain America was okay, but that and Captain America, are the best Marvel third acts in, in a few years. Are we really going to go this whole podcast guys without mentioning John C. Riley? 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know, guys. How awesome was he was. Uh, in this in this movie, especially the very very end? Yeah, so I was great. concerned that we weren't going to get any more with him because he's only in the movie for a couple of minutes early on, and then uh, but he he plays an important role later, and I would assume will play some sort of a role in the the sequel because that guy's amazing. We need him in all of the movies. And uh, and Glenn Close was was cool as sort of a little overseer that she was uh, of Nova. So cool to see her do something Marvel-y. You know, you don't she yeah. I guess she's dressed as men and Albert Knobs and stuff normally. Uh, <laughs> don't see her typically do this this type of stuff. So she's fun. She's cool. I've heard she's just one of the best human beings of all time. So that's always good to know. But yeah, John C. Riley was fantastic. I'm not going to give away the ending little dialogue he has with the Guardians because it's so good. I don't want to attempt to spoil it for anyone uh, who hasn't seen this film, believe it or not, if there's anyone left. By the way, this movie made $94 million uh, opening weekend. Third uh, third highest grosser this year, uh, next to Captain America and Godzilla. and Or I mean, uh, and Transformers, I should say, and uh, and Captain America. <laughs> so... Wow, and it's a, it's a freaking franchise that no one knows about, you know. Right. And that's what's so impressive is that it's not a, a second or third Iron Man or something yeah. like that. It's this is a, a brand new spanking new franchise that no one knows about, and it made almost a hundred million dollars. Wow, it, and it's super sci-fi. Like it's not. I mean, you have to group it in with the superhero movies and the comic book genre. Obviously, it's it's a comic book movie, but it's it is heavy science fiction, which I you know I love. I love sci fi, but that doesn't usually translate to great box office success. The Marvel machine and the Disney machine definitely helps, obviously, but um, I think that's a good sign that a a, a non sequel, <laughs> a franchise starter that is so galactic in nature is uh, one of the biggest movies of the year. That's that's awesome. I'm really excited that my my Guardians comics like quadrupled in value just over a two-day period. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'm assuming the demand is pretty high for them now, so I might have to flip them. Uh, so look out on eBay for those. But, guys, let's move on to grades. Before we do that, I want to say that Guardians 2 is coming out July 28th, 2017. So look forward to that. The sequel is confirmed. Uh, James Gunn writing and directing. So looking forward to that as well. Eventually, this is supposed to cross over with the Avengers, like we've said. And also, eventually, Iron Man is supposed to be a guardian of the galaxy. So hmm. extremely excited to see Tony Stark and, and Peter Quill uh, and Rocket have a little dialogue there. That's that's going to be exciting. So guys, grades for Guardians. I'm going to start it off, and I'm going to go solid A. Not A+. Plus. Uh, because I was I was pretty hyped on this movie, but like I said, 100% satisfied with it. Uh, highly enjoyable. I, I imagine before it's all said and done, I'll watch this movie a couple dozen more times before the next one comes out. So really excited about uh, about where this is going. Most of all, I've I've never been more excited about a a first movie in a franchise than this. So wow, well, uh, really except excited. For Tammy. Except for uh, Tammy, two and three. Brian, great. Yeah, uh, for me, this is it, it's it's definitely going to find a spot in the top definite ten, probably five or one or two. Uh, I, funniest movie I've seen this year. One of the best movies. I I want to relive it over and over again. Uh, it's it's an A plus for me. Richard, I'm going to go with a strong solid B. Cool, Brian, go see it again. I and, am and report I, I back. I don't know if you saw it in 3D, but 
I did, and uh, some some really fun sequences in 3D. The flying cool. sequences, uh, really fun. So might be worth an IMAX. I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to try and hit up an IMAX before it's all said and done. So uh, cool, guys. Well, let's move on. Let's hit a quick weekly recommend. Weekly recommends. I'm gonna do a little relevant recommend this week. Uh, I I feel like I've recommended Super in the past. James Gunn's previous film to this. Really fun little independent comedy drama about a superhero played by Rain Wilson. Uh, but I will recommend another film of his for this uh, for this episode, Slither. I know uh, you all aren't really horror fans at all, but it's more of a gross-out horror comedy than it is a horror movie. It stars Nathan Fillion, uh, and it stars also Michael Rooker, who we, who we saw as Yondu uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy. And... Uh, plays the one and only Merle Dixon on The Walking Dead, if you're not familiar with with Michael Rooker. So Slither, really interesting, fun movie. Definitely a -a one-of-a-kind horror film. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie take such advantage of practical effects the way this one does. I'm not going to spoil it for you, but if you're at all interested in horror, if you're at all uh, a James Gunn fan, you have to see Slither. It's a spectacle of horror is what it is and uh it's just a fun movie it really is uh despite being a horror movie so my recommend this week is james gunn's slither uh which was released in 2006 so brian weekly recommend yeah this is a uh i'm totally gonna butcher this one okay i'm just gonna put that out there right now i watched a documentary yesterday or the day before uh about the making of a movie uh, of an a film adaptation of Dune, the book Dune. Ah, um, and uh, it is this movie has been recommended many times to me by various people. It came out earlier this year, or maybe the end of last year. It is called Jodorowsky's Dune, and I'm sure I, I butchered that. You're just gonna have to, to <laughs> look it up. Uh, it's J O D O R O W S K Y. It's Alejandro Alejandro Jodorowsky. Um, who is a director. Uh, you'll have to IMDb his page. It, he's never made a movie that, uh, you know, has been widely seen. It's very strange, underground, uh, cinema verde sort of stuff that is borderline grotesque, you know. It's kind of in that category. Very strange guy. But in the in the 70s, he, he attempted and made a, a major attempt to bring Dune to the big screen. Um, and it is, it's a fascinating documentary because it's, uh, he, the, more than anything, the team that he, and eventually this, this never happened obviously, because once he actually pitched it to the studio, they were like, that's the weirdest, trippiest thing of all time. There's no way we'll ever make money off of this. And they, they didn't make it. It ended up, uh, David Lynch made it in 84, I think. And it's terrible. If you've never seen that, that movie, um, it's truly awful. And really that book is probably unfilmable. You, you really need to do it in animation, honestly, but Regardless, um, the, the most interesting thing about the movie, the team that he assembled to make it at that time ended up being huge. Like this, uh, like uh, Geiger, who did all of the uh, the alien effects and stuff. Um, I now I've lost the guy's name. But basically, you, you look at science fiction since 1975, between 1975 and 1995, and any big name involved with, the, with those films – uh, was at one point or another attached to this production of Dune. Um, so you, it, you can see 
the influences that like Alien and even Star Wars and Star Trek and all on down the line have have drawn from that film that never actually got made. Um, so it's a really interesting interesting movie that uh, I, I rented it on Amazon and uh, it's it's it was really cool. So I highly recommend giving it a shot. And I apologize for not being able to pronounce anyone's name. All good. That's funny. One of my coworkers is actually reading the book Dune, like right mm. now, and he's been talking a lot about it. So it's uh, almost unreadable, yeah. let alone unfilmable. I mean, it is a tr- it is a dense piece of of fiction, but right. uh, man, it's really. It's. I think you'd like it a lot, Kent, because it's it, the stuff in there is is crazy. It's it's very and very artistic. Um, very very odd. It's on the list. Richard, Sweet. recommend. Yeah, I'm gonna recommend. Uh... Well, I don't know what happened to my voice there. I'm losing it. Uh, I'm going to recommend a uh, an album, a uh, stand-up comedy album from uh, Patton Oswalt. Uh, this was recently a, a special on one of those weird like uh, networks that no one gets, but you can buy online for $5. But uh, but anyway, the, Patton Oswalt, it's, um, I think it's called Laughter Plus Sadness Equals Time or something. Uh, it's, it's, I listened to it this morning, all morning. It is among his best, and I love Patton Oswalt. Uh, as a stand-up, it's definitely not safe for work. Uh, it's a little R-rated in parts, but it is extremely funny. Some great stories on there um, about kind of being a comic and uh, playing casinos and things like that, and also some stuff on getting older and being a parent and all that good stuff. That has never been done uh, comedically ever in, in the history of time. Uh, but no, definitely a uh, worthwhile stand-up to check out. And uh, I recommend all of his stuff, but the, the latest 2014s, yeah, laughter plus sadness equals time. Or oh, laughter plus tragedy equals time. My apologies. Great, cool. I I've been meaning to watch that, so I'm glad I have your endorsement. There. It's on Spotify now, Kent. Great, awesome. I cool. love doing that. I've I've listened to Jim Gaffigan Mystery Universe probably eight times on Spotify. I love like, yes. listening to stand up on Spotify. By the way, check out check out Mister Mystery Universe on yeah Jim Gaffigan. So funny. Uh, okay, guys. Well, I'm sure we could talk about Guardians for like nine hours, but... Uh, Ken, what are you going to do now? Serious question. What? <laughs> I'm going to talk about Star about... Wars every week uh, okay. until 2015. What do you think? And now you see yeah. me. And now you see me. But no, I, I, I appreciate you guys uh, not making total fun of me uh, for being anticipated about this movie. And I uh, hate to say I told you so, because this movie was awesome. But no, it was it was uh, highly anticipated by me and um, my most anticipated of the year, so... It's going to be a sad, uh, sad year until until episode seven comes out. But uh, we're moving straight into Oscar season, and before that, guys, next week we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So another <laughs> well, chance Oscar for season. Brian and I to geek out, uh, yep. which is what we all need. Uh, so Brian, where can I find your work on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at bgill12, and you can find my writing at canbabiesdrinkredbull.com. Richard, where can we find you? Uh, you can apparently find me at the uh, the Voice Doctor, but uh, <laughs> we're gonna go uh, on on the online. You're gonna find me at Richard Barden on Twitter. Kent, where might I find you? You can find me on uh, Twitter at Kent Garrison, and you can find all of us on our website at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and find all our episodes also on iTunes. If you like what you hear, go ahead and leave us a five-star review. That'd be awesome. And if you'd like to contact the show, uh, hit up hit up our website and uh, click contact. Come straight to us. And uh, on that note, guys, until next time, we will see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Goodbye. See ya. See ya.